Welcome, everyone. Today's episode is a very unique one. It is my first time having numerous testimonials from guests involved in addition to a main guest. My main guest in this episode is based in Dallas, Texas, and quite the lovely little ray of sunshine in her early 30s. Today, we're discussing race and biases in the industry on both the part of the clients and the workers. I felt having numerous voices would be the best way to try to shed a more diverse and informative light on these topics. I would be open to doing a part two in the future if more of you feel you'd like to send in your testimonials. And maybe on the part two, we can hear from some clients as well. That could be a good angle to include. Who knows? Everyone can give their feedback on how this one was structured so we can move forward together. Um, I've just got one quick side note before I play our episodes. There are lots of people online making fake Twitter accounts, fake websites, impersonating real providers. Anyone reaching out to you asking for deposits or money in any way, please consider it to be a scam because we don't do that. Um, If your spidey senses go off even 1%, Google that provider, their name, and their website, and their real Twitter will pop up and even maybe send us an email to ask us if it's us or not, because we will happily clarify whether or not our activity is legitimate. Without further delay, I can't wait to share this week's recording with testimonials from special guests Winnie L., Hadley Darling, Carmen Ray, Seductive Storm, and Tegan Smith. Thank all of you so much for taking the time out to be part of this. And of course, the leading lady of the week, the brilliant Elliot Emerson. There's a lot of people who are trying things that they've never tried before. Sex! Why do you think people don't see it as work? I don't know. I think it's just too much stigma. What do you mean we can't just go tell people? The vast uh, complexity of human sexuality. The escort. Deconstructed. Hello, Elliot. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for traveling such a long way to come here. It sure is cold here. Yeah, you brought flip-flops, essentially. I I didn't bring flip-flops. I brought loafers. There's there's no back on the back of them. Yeah, right. Loafers. I'm lazy. (laughs) There's snow outside, people. And she brought loafers. I didn't know I was going to be walking outside. You're in the Arctic right now. I see that. (laughs) Okay, well, our topic today is insane, but I definitely want to hear about your story first. So tell me, how did you pick the name Elliot Emerson? Well, how I picked that name, I feel like that name chose me. I am not a fan of feminine names at all. Mm. And I am a big fan of alliteration. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, I know. You can't really fuck up Elliot Emerson, can you? No, you can't. But a lot of people have that name, apparently, because I couldn't even buy the domain for my website. Really? The, the, both names together. Weird. No, I have to put a dash in between. I don't, I don't like that, but, um, I feel like the universe gave me signs to choose this name. So you just looked up masculine, feminine names and then just picked one? Absolutely not. <laughs> I've always been a fan of masculine names for discretionary purposes. It's a good it's a good shout actually. And I'm also a fan, like I said, of alliteration. My name chose me and I wanted to make a statement. So Elliot actually came from letters from my entire name. That's a little bit of a secret. That's the point of this podcast is share your secrets. <laughs> to a point. <laughs> Um, not where I don't think anyone could figure out my real name, but I know I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think anybody would ever know that. But, um, Elliot and then Emerson, I have no idea where that came from. It's just like, you ever 
see something or hear something or the universe sends you a digital download. That's what I like to call it. They sent you Emerson. They sent me Emerson after I thought about Elliot. Oh, I like it. And so I went on Wikipedia. That's always a great source. Uh huh. I know in university, they're like, don't quote Wikipedia. I don't care what you do. Don't quote Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm like, let's see what, what both of these names mean. And that day when I looked it up in 2017, I think it said, let's see. Elliot means with strength and right. Mm-hmm. And Emerson is bravely, truly, or boldly and rightly. And I knew that I wanted to show my face in the beginning um, from the get-go. So if I was going to do it, I was going to come out with a bang. So That's amazing, actually, because I did a very similar thing with my name, which I didn't think about until you oh, said really? that right now. Yeah, Sienna means something like to do softly or something soft. And then hunter is like a gentle hunter or a soft hunter. And I'm like, I'm not slow man prey. I like that. Yeah, that's the secret behind that name. I didn't think about that till right now. Thank you. Definitely. See, look at that. <laughs> Great minds think alike. There's a lot behind the random fucking names we pick. So how long have you been in this industry to date then? I have been Elliot for the past three years, but I'd like to say I've been in the industry for the past six. Um, Always as an escort or you start as a cam girl or something? No. Even though this is an unpopular opinion, I started with sugaring like everybody else did. I mean, I don't know if it's unpopular. We all do it. I mean, we all do it. But a a lot of um, sugar babies like to say that sugaring is not sex work. And I think (laughs) I think (laughs) I think it is. But I've been sugaring for the past six years. I mean, I don't sugar anymore, but I've been Elliot for the past three. And I did a whole year of research to be Elliot for a year. So maybe you could say four years. What made you want to transition, though, from being a sugar baby to an escort? There was too much back and forth with men all the time. There was there was always haggling. There doesn't need to be the back and forth. And there was a lot of people who didn't have clear-cut intentions. A lot of people who didn't have good intentions either, even though that's what the whole sugar community... Oh, I, I don't think the slogan is good intentions only. <laughs> They want you to 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 believe that you are going to have a relationship with somebody who cares about you and they're going to provide for you no matter what, because they genuinely like you. That is the impression that was given to me when I started sugaring. <laughs> Gave her the jerk off symbol there. Um, I love it. What made you realize, though, that escorting was essentially the same as sugaring? Actually, I think escorting is a little bit different because it cuts out all of the... Essentially, but yeah, I do think it's a bit different. It cuts out all of the bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the great part about escorting. I present myself and you come to me, you either want to spend time with me or you don't want to spend time with me. There is no in-between. There's no fake relationship. There is no fake relationship. I can be who I am. I can be, I can present the best version of myself to you. And then at the end of the day, I'm done with it. What do you think about girls doing sugar dating then that don't think it's escorting? Where do you think that comes from? What do you think that's about? I think they're in denial, but it's okay. It's because of the stigma and that it's legal in the States. I think so. But I can tell you, I just wish, I wish people weren't so ashamed of that because it goes back to how we dated years and years ago where you just dated a man who was able to provide for you. 
Well, it's because you probably had no rights, though, and had to. <laughs> Let's be real. No rights. How are you gonna own property? Oh yeah, he would. He would own you and the property, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sugaring is just. It's just like a fear of sexual liberation at the end of the day, because it's dangerous to traditional society. It's being that liberated. Definitely, I, I can agree with you on that. A lot of people don't know. But, I mean, if you don't know, you can't do any better if you don't know. Well, see, this is what this is about, stopping that misinformation. Because the Sugar Babies, they have a podcast, don't they? It's called Sugar Talk or Sugar Something. Oh, mm, yeah. Sugar Something. Do we really have to say <laughs> We're not saying what the website is, but they have a podcast called I know Sugar, what, Sugar Something. Mm, I know what the name is. We're okay. not going to do that. Okay. Well, anyways, that's uh, propagating, basically escorting for cheap. <laughs> yes. Basically. Because they've taken off the paper meat. They've taken out the allowance. They've taken it out, you know, in the terms of service, but not in practice. Everyone still does it in practice. Yes, everybody still does it. But I just can't believe that they took that out of the website. Yeah, because that's just prostitution. <laughs> it is. Clear cut. You're right. The thing about it that stumps me is that it's illegal in the States, but it's not illegal here. So why are arrangements a thing here? Are you know? they? Yeah. Still? Really? <laughs> I had no idea. Yes, they are a thing here. It's just people with an aversion to doing sex work because they think it's some big bad thing that they can't get into or it means they're a bad person. It's all just a stigma. But uh, once you figure it out, it's like, this is the same stuff. I'll just get actually paid for all my time. Yes. Okay, folks. Well, if you want to, you know, figure out more about that, get in touch with either of us and we will set you straight. Yes, we can do that. So how did you decide to get involved in this industry five, six years ago? Well, like I said, uh, through sugaring, I actually had a sugar mentor or a sugar. How did the sugar come up, though? though? How did you find him? Like, where did that start? Well, this is not a him. This is a her, actually. Oh, shit. See, you didn't even know. Huh. Now you know. There's actually an entire community of sugar babies on Instagram. Oh, fuck. I watched that Slut Ever episode where there's a sugar baby boot camp in L.A. and other places. I have never heard okay, of this. I will show you this episode. No, yeah. And it's like, don't call it a watch. Call it a timepiece. Show him your spreadsheet of expenses. Don't tell him much money you need. And they have, like, processes with how to get money out of people. I've never heard of Basically, that. Basically, how to escort without having a rate is what it is to me. I mean, I've... I'll be showing you this. I've seen plenty of sugar baby courses, but I haven't heard of that. But there's a an entire community of sugar babies on Instagram. And that's how I found my mentor or my sister. And I did not pay this person. Okay. I want to make that clear. She lived in Philadelphia and I lived in Dallas, Texas at the time. And I traveled to Philadelphia for civ work, for civilian work. And I met her and I explained to her that I, I travel a lot and I have a hectic schedule. But I didn't I didn't understand how I was supposed to have a sugar daddy, have a, a solid sugar relationship. So she suggested that I escort instead. Wise choice. <laughs> Wise lady. And I never even thought about that. It was like, well, why not? Usually no one just comes to it. Someone influences that decision. You're like, yep. And she wasn't an escort. She was a sugar baby. She was a sugar baby. She actually tried to dabble in escorting for a little bit. And then I think she did okay. Okay. And then she she came out. She backed out of it. But I decided that I would do my research for a year, like I said before. 
before I decided to dive in into the world of escorting. Did you do any other kinds of sex work or you just stuck to sugar baby and escorting? Just stuck to sugar babying. I thought about doing cam, but that seems like a lot of work. It does. You get to stay in your house, but like hot damn. All the accessories, the backgrounds, the toys, the outfits, like Even now, like I I tweeted, um, content creators, like you have an imagination surpassed by none. I don't know how you come up with stuff because I'll be doing old lady stuff. Compared to that, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm an in-person kind of lady. I'm not really a photo kind of lady. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a photo. I'm not a video type of person. Props to those ladies, though. You guys do a lot of work. Big props to you. So did you keep all this to yourself initially, apart from that one woman? Did you tell any of your friends or your family when you started to ask for it? Initially, I kept what I was doing to myself, but I have a best friend who is male, and that is who I told you about, Mm. who inspired me to sugar And he was a sugar baby himself, and he had a sugar daddy. Amazing. So he now, he knows everything. He knows about the sugaring. He knows about me being Elliot now. Um, He knows that since I've transitioned into this work, it's great for me, and he fully supports my decision, and I have a few close friends who know about it. I did not have anyone to show me um, how to be a hell. (laughs) I think most of us don't. It's quite the steep learning curve. (laughs) Hey, you better be doing this or you're going to get fucked on this point right here. Right? Count that money first. Make sure they leave on time. Be nice to them. Don't let them message you every single day. But, you know, keep up a relationship. Like, we need a handbook. I would like to go to chapter four, page three sometimes, but it doesn't exist. That's funny that you actually say that because I read plenty of books. On, uh, I've read some memoirs. I haven't read, uh, and I've read Lola Davina's book and... This is before I wrote, read her book. Which one did she read? I read The Internet Escorts Handbook. Okay, I tried to get Amanda that, but Brooks. It's, it's out of publication. Oh, is it? Yeah, we I do still have it. it. Oh, my God. Can I have, she only, but she never finished it. She only has book one. Book one is the foundation, and book two is advertising and marketing. And there's a little bit of SEO in there. I think it's out of date, but yeah. That's very cool. And then cool. there's a few books on Kindle Unlimited about escorting up two or three that i have personally i feel like a lot of books that come out about escorting are just like memoirs ish autobiographies type things it's hard though there's no remedy that works for everyone or platform because it changes every week really it really does it changes from day to day like you said so did you show your face initially when you started doing this or did you hide it because i know you show your face now I've always shown my face. Wow, that's bold. (laughs) I wanted people to focus on me. I wanted them to focus on the entire package and not be distracted by a blur or by a certain body part. You weren't like worried about it though? No. Why? I've never been worried about it. I'm not running for Congress. so. But your parents or your family? No. Wow. I'm not worried about it. They don't know though? Your family? No. My mom knows about sugaring, so okay, that's it's sad. probably not a far off stone to throw. Now that she knows about that, that's a good way to introduce it. Actually, hey mom, I have a sugar daddy, and then just years later, be like, oh, I also escort. She'd be like, you know what? I like, mean, we did watch the girlfriend experience together. Oh, and it was shot in Toronto. Which one? The first season. The second one is like all over. The did place. you watch the movie? Oh, I did watch that movie. Yeah, 
Okay. I watched the movie first, and then I watched the first season, and I never watched the second season. It's a totally different story. I know. I don't like that. The first season was empowering. I gotta, I gotta watch it. I don't know. The first season pissed me off because she starts out having a best friend in the industry, and they oh, just, that, like, go do stuff together, yeah. and I'm like, fuck you. Like, everyone's alone when they start this. Like, <laughs> what the hell is that? Please. Her best friend ended up... Oh, Settles for, like, six million. Like, do you have a preferred verbiage for escorting i like personally i like companion and i don't mind sex worker and i can also go with escort any words a huge no-no hooker prostitute the hooker one i don't like either but it does make me laugh (laughs) Hooker, hooker is cute amongst colleagues and friends people that you like hooker is okay it's it's like two syllables of hoe and whore like one hooker is like extra work and i'm like god damn like did you just put that much work into it like just say hoe whore. you're a hooker i like whore yeah i like it too maggie mcneil took it back okay is she called it the war on whores her documentary oh, yeah I, i've never seen it oh i'll give you my vmo password you should watch it i should i mean obviously we already know everything she's kind of saying because we're already on that team but Oh, I've been asking this question in the wrong way in the past, and I'm still apologizing for it. Um, is there something you want to share about your childhood or maybe something you want to share about how you progressed as an individual to come to be okay with escorting and who you are? Mm. I'd like to say that growing up, I was an only child. And I'm not sure if most only children are like this, but I'm an introvert. So I feel like escorting has brought me out of my shell a little bit more and it it's made me realize that there is so much more to this world and so much more to relationships amongst women and men more than I ever thought was possible just to see my parents growing up which my parents are still married my mom and my dad so I think that's what escort work has done for me I don't know it's very odd to say that. I was very, sh- it feels like I was sheltered, but I, I wasn't. Maybe sexually sheltered is what I mean. I think most children are sexually sheltered, to be fair. Does that even make sense, what I just said? I don't know. I think some people hear their parents having sex and some don't, and then it just goes from there. <laughs> Mom, what are you doing? Let's have that talk. <laughs> now I'm liberated. That's what we'll say now. You are most definitely liberated. Yes. Do you feel that? the childhood you had kind of influenced your decision to become a sex worker in any way? No, I don't. I just like having sex. Could have just as easily not been a sex worker, maybe, given yes. the random But you know what? Presented. Actually, now that you mentioned that, I was, yeah. I went to private school, and they always taught us not to have sex before marriage, but I always knew from a very young age that I wanted to have sex before I was married. <laughs> So maybe that did have a part. How did you know that? Just because you wanted to rebel? I think so. That would have been my stance, I always made a promise to my parents. I said, I won't do drugs, but I can't promise you that I'm not going to have sex before I'm married. I feel like that's the healthy take. (laughs) Really, isn't it? I thought it was. I thought it was a good choice. Do you have any new exciting things you're working on in regards to your brand or your personal life? I am going to be focusing more on being travel friendly and creating more content for the Emerson Experience. Emerson 2020. Podcast. Yes. Emerson. (laughs) Elliot Emerson 2020. Can you tell us where that came from? That came from. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us? Oh my God. I feel shady. I just, 
I was on a flight somewhere. I can't even remember. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I've been seeing all of these tweets where women were saying that they were going to retire and that they couldn't take on any more clients. And I just, I couldn't understand. I mean, I, I do understand. There comes a point where you want to retire, where you be, become some so successful that you can't handle anymore. So I thought about it. I'm like, if these people don't want to take any more clients, I'll take the clients that they don't want to see anymore. Send them this way. Please send them this way. Send them to me. Elliot Emerson, 2020. And you know, we've got the election going on. So I thought that was, I thought it was pretty clever of me to think of. I'll vote for you. Thank you. I need your vote. I appreciate it. After I hear that debate though, like I'm waiting on that. Okay, who am I going to debate? I'm ready for it. Stay tuned. I'm down. I got the microphones. All right. (laughs) I'm ready for it. So that takes us into this week's nightmare topic. Um, it's a nightmare? This is not a nightmare. It's a nightmare to navigate. It's really exciting and fun to talk about, but it's it's just really scary when you consider how how it can be misconstrued. It's just a scary topic because you have no idea how people are going to take it. But it's very, you know, exciting, refreshing to talk about, but it is a nightmare just based on how many things could go wrong. <laughs> Well, we'll try to. We make will try. Go right. We are probably gonna fuck it up, but it's cool. Acknowledging we're gonna fuck it up. When Get we start. messy. Exactly. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. I'm excited about. It. I wouldn't be doing it. Period. So yeah, I just want to start out by asking because we're in Canada here, and I've been conversing with a lot of Canadian providers purely at a facility of me just doing like Joe Rogan, where I interview people in person because well, I haven't figured out the best methodology for remote recording yet. Um, no bias against anyone else. Everyone else seems amazing. I've just been lazy, I guess. Plus, it's more fun to meet people for lunch first. Mm. So what's it been like escorting in the South? That made me giggle when I first read that Well, question. I don't I only know what it's like to escort in Canada and, you know, Europe. I don't <sighs> yes, know like when I have America. to think about it from your point of view. Yeah. Because to me, Texas, since I live in Dallas, it's a huge city. To me, it doesn't give me a... What's the population? Last time I checked, it was 1.3 million. Okay. And I think around 25% was black. And okay. over, over 50% was white. And 38% was Hispanic. The last time I checked, which was a day or so ago. Okay. So to me, Texas is is not the South, but... I'm originally from North Carolina, and when I think about the South, I think about Southern hospitality, and that's what I get in North Carolina. People holding doors open for you, people speaking to you, complete strangers, people smiling, but I I get what you mean when you say in the South. So in Texas, escorting has been interesting because it seems like the rates are fairly low, but the cost of living in Dallas, Texas is high what is the average per hour would you say i would say the average per hour would be at least 200 okay if not 250 i wonder if we're supposed to do like a currency conversion here are we i would say yeah maybe the average in toronto just across the board the median might be 300 an hour which Mm -hmm. might be like 200 american Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i think it is but i've seen ads and uh, rates for much lower than that. So that's what I'll just say, an average um, representation, I think, of the hourly rate in Texas is. You think it's lower than other states? I do. But for what we've gone through with 
the legislation and everything, I think it's low. But that's just my personal opinion. That's for sure. Compared to other cities like D.C. and New York City and Chicago and Los Angeles. Obviously, New York is the beacon for raids. It really is. Um, So then do you travel a lot since other places might have better raids? I travel often, but I have never toured. I'm going to be experimenting with tours in 2020. Might as well. But most of my clients are not from Dallas, and they're usually visiting on business or traveling from outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex to visit with me, and I appreciate them for doing that. So shout out to (laughs) y'all. Thank y'all. So I have never toured, really. I mean, if I was going to, there's. it seems like there's really only three options in Yeah, Canada. where would you go? Well, there's just Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. I guess you could go to Ottawa, too. But if you're doing, like, Calgary, too, I guess, you've maybe got, like, a handful. Of, I swear you have a lot more options in the States. And I'm just personally terrified to try to cross the border because I don't want that stamped in my passport in case I do get, like, turned away. I completely understand Because it causes a lot more issues once you get turned away. So, yeah, to you, why do you think we're calling this episode race and biases instead of just race or just biases? Like, what do you think we're trying to cover with this topic? We're trying to cover everything. <laughs> okay, that's like when, what's your market? It's everybody. Like, we- <laughs> No, it's not everybody. Those are two distinct topics, race well, racism and bias. Well, when I say bias, I think unconscious and conscious biases. Yeah, definitely. That people have towards providers and clients. So you can say attitudes that clients have towards providers and attitudes that providers have towards clients. And just, yeah, the subconscious ways that we act based on what we see every day and what we don't see every day and what we yes. expect and we don't expect. So have you noticed any differences between escorting as a black woman and providers of other races? The difference is that I work twice as hard to be on the level of other providers at times. I make sure the content that I put out is presentable, meaning I make sure my appearance is to the T. I make sure the background is perfect where I am. I cannot simply just take a photo in a dirty mirror with a mismatched lingerie and become an overnight sensation. I mean, I haven't tried that method. I don't know if it would work. You like, should try so it and see what happens. You know what? I think I might. You t- uh, the onesie. Challenge with the, accepted. The onesie with the boob out. I'm not saying the onesie hey, was bad. I have no idea why people <laughs> like that. It's barely even showing any nudity. It did better than my video. I'm a little offended I right now. I think we're just going to, we're going to give the video its time because in due time, that video <laughs> is going to get what it deserves. It's definitely. I'm like creative output, you guys. <laughs> You know, and I also have to be cautious who I interact with and what I say. And I cannot come off as too aggressive. With other escorts, you mean on Twitter? Like yes, anybody? with anybody. Okay. With escorts or clients. I can't come off as too aggressive. I don't want to be known as a stereotypical hardened black woman. Angry. The black women are stereotypically hardened and angry? Yes. Okay. Yes. <sighs> How do you dismantle that belief? You, you can't be it. overly sweet forever. Like, you have an opinion. You're allowed to be angry sometimes. Oh, we're definitely sassy. That's the fun of us. I agree. I like the sass. I, I like everyone's sass. Too. But you have to present it in a way where people can understand that we are 
complex individuals just like anybody else. Have you found that secret method, that secret potion of presenting it the right way? I think most people think I have found it, but maybe I have and maybe I haven't. I don't know. I just do what works for me. I think it's trying to take little offense because I think a lot of people are tone deaf. Myself, for example, unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that good intentions aren't, you know, an excuse, but it's a, it's a good place to start at least. I think so. I think it's hard to notice differences when, you know, it's not apparent every day yes. or when all of your friends are from a certain group, not intentionally. You maybe just all live together. You were all part of the same, whatever club. And then you just talk to each other. You don't notice that you're doing anything. You're right. You're exactly right. But this- well, what's some advice for people that maybe don't know if they're you know, being non-diverse, non-inclusive, what may be some good steps to try to be like, oh, oh okay, maybe I could try to do this. The do you- first step is to listen to us. Okay. Okay, listen- check. <laughs> listen to us when we are telling you that we are struggling. Listen to us. Listen to our experiences and know that they are real. They're very real. And you'll, you're you going to hear them in this episode, not just from me, but from other women. Yeah. Thanks to the other women, by the way. Yes, thank you so much. And it was insane to hear them because I don't know any of these women personally. And they're just expressing exactly how I feel. And they're sharing such personal information and personal views. And I can't believe they're willing to. I mean, the the strength it takes to share that much, you know, not great experiences with strangers. You must feel passionately about it. And I respect that so much for being able to share that. Yes, definitely. To the women who who actually were able to send something into you and share their stories with us. How would you say that differences are identifiable or noticeable, though? Like, is there any specific thing people can do to kind of notice it? Well, I'll say that I notice in the amount of inquiries that I receive, you either are busy or you're not busy. And many times it takes a certain type of branding or a lot of patience or submitting to review culture to become successful as a companion who is a woman of color, especially if you want to demand a premium price for your time. If you um, if you do that, your phone is probably not going to ring. Ultimately, clients will find you, but it's nothing compared to the successes of our counterparts. And they can demand a premium price depending on their location and not have clients question if they are worthy. What do you mean question? I actually had... Uh, a person reach out to me that was an assistant to a companion who was a woman of color and also an assistant to a woman who was not a woman of color. And he saw the differences in the inquiries, which I was really surprised by. Um, he would notice that one client, what he told me was the same client, reached out to the, the companion of color and basically just was short rude to her how much is it um maybe that's too much but he had no issue paying the rate for the the provider that was the non person of color which i think it was more i think it was twice the rate of the woman of color well that's fucked up thank you and that's not the first story i've heard i've i mean a few people reached out to me and let me know some things that I had. I've never experienced myself. Me neither. I want to know. About so this is so eye opening you know? that you were able to present this and people were able to reach out to both of us and let us know what was going on because 
I still don't think we're getting um, enough perspectives out. I'd like to get like 50, but yeah. I know. I But I couldn't believe that story. And I heard a similar story to that from someone else. But that was just shocking. And what was your other question? How can we... Hmm. How can you notice? How can you make the differences identifiable, noticeable? How are the biases apparent? Intentionally or unintentionally? Hmm. Most of the time, I think it's unintentional. I think so, too. I don't think people are intentionally doing that. (laughs) I would hope not. But if you're unintentionally trying to be a good person, going about whatever it is, and you're accidentally not supporting other escorts, what do you think you could do about it to kind of help it fix it? Well, I think you could begin with as I said, the first step was listening. And the second step is to not converse. Well, when you hear anything where anybody is going to be prejudiced against a provider or a client, just shut that person down and let them know that they're wrong. Yeah. First of all, I don't feel like I hear prejudices though against any kind of escort, except the ones that like do drugs and stuff. I don't I hear that prejudice. I, don't, I think that's more of an us thing. Okay. A state's thing. But I'm not I'm not sure. Well, I clearly I'm not either. <laughs> because I'm I'm not from, from Canada. I know it's in the States most definitely. I would say that yeah, it's probably more apparent for you. On the surface. Anyways. Yes. But I, I don't know what it is here in Canada, but you've got some some girls from Canada yeah. sharing their stories. Definitely. I hope that some from the United States will skip back to me, please. <laughs> I'm gonna be reaching <laughs> back out to them. Um, what kind of impact have you personally felt or seen as a result of Asta working in this industry? Well, I was pretty much under the radar a year before SESTA FOSTA was put into legislation. So I couldn't tell you the real difference, but I know a lot of people lost a lot of business and a lot of people lost connections with, um, clients and providers, um, losing reviews and that lost a lot of business for a lot of people for a lot of women but other than that I couldn't really tell you I know that I didn't want to have reviews at all so I looked at it as a positive for me yeah that um TER was shut down but other than that um I was starting to do okay I was starting to be on the rise a little bit because I was not active on any social media at all and then when that was put into the legislation, I didn't know what to do. We didn't, no one knew what to do. It's like we all went into a panic. And now it's maybe a little bit more okay because it's I, been some time. I think it's been okay. It's kind of insane to me that it's still a thing. When I feel like when I grew up, I'm like, every color is equal. Women have rights. Being a sex worker is all right. I'm like, oh, oh, no, it's not okay. I feel I like, wish, are, we, are we still working on this? We really are still working on this. I mean, you have to think to yourself, have you allowed yourself to take part in all that this industry has to offer? Have you ever not booked someone or taken on a client based off of a stereotype, a life experience, or simply because of hearsay? Um, you got to think on this and take a moment to reflect. Many times we have biases without realizing them. Businesses in the U.S., I don't know if they do this in Canada or if you've ever heard of it. If you have, let me know. Mm -hmm. Um, They have unconscious bias training for their employees to avoid major 
PR scandals, such as the men um, using the restroom. I think that's what it was at the Starbucks and the manager. Men using, just men. Oh, they're black men. Okay. Of course. I can't recall it was, since it was so long ago. It's like you hear that, you hear the story and you just think, wow, shame on this person for doing that. I can't remember if they were just standing in the Starbucks or if they were trying to use the restroom and the manager called the police on them. I've, I heard the story too. I don't know. It's like, it seems like, I'm, sh- I'm sure that was probably almost a year ago now. Prejudice runs deep in the U.S., Racism is a learned behavior, and no one is born into this world hating another person, like you just said. It's learned behavior, right? And we've got to get rid of it. But not everyone shares it. But yeah, it is ingrained. No, not everyone. It is ingrained in a lot of people. But we've got it's like almost like a cancer. We got to cut it out. We got to get rid of it. It's such a weird criteria to base people on. (laughs) I'm sorry, you're wearing red nail polish. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) I love my red nail polish. (laughs) It makes no sense. Like, how dare you wear red and not blue? Get out of here. I have no idea where those. Where I just this can't came believe by. it's still a fucking thing. I can't believe it's still a thing. Jesus but Christ. But we're working here. We're working on it. We're trying to spread the word. Well, I know you recently published a tweet um, on Twitter asking other black women to get in touch with what differences they've noticed in their experience in the industry. Would you uh, be comfortable sharing what some of the women have spoken out on? Of course. The tweet is black women, cocoa queens, gorgeous brown skinned ladies. Let's talk. Tell me how this industry has been for you. Give me your stories. I'm interested in talking about this with another provider for public consumption and need the breath, the be- breast. Oh my God. The best representation of our experiences. Tell me everything, the good and the bad. It's not often people really get to hear us or feel comfortable discussing this topic. My DMs are open as well as my email. So I've got uh, Naomi um, in Naomi TX. My experience was horrible last, wait, at first, because I was overweight, lacked self-confidence, and didn't have strong skin. The things I've been told and have been have had to experience have made me stronger, though. I was almost assaulted. I've been demeaned and experienced blatant racism. And then we have Zuri Love. I love her. Um, well, I'm one of those who's had it hard from the get-go, from being passed over because of how I look, my skin tone, my brand, my weight, etc. Starting out, it's been very hard. I've had to change my look, of course. I've had to adapt. The good part was making friends. The bad was making friends. People giving you bad advice, other providers talking about you and assuming things, clients passing over you, but booking your friends in the same city. The racism, the fat phobia, comments like, oh, really bad. What else? we have here you had a lot of comments on there i did um i'm impressed elise in chicago that's elise bell Fem. i feel a lot has been said it'll always be said but it gets overlooked like a never-ending cycle this thread i've had people tell me because of my race they're afraid to see me but they've sent a lot of gift cards but we're afraid they can be attracted but shrug emoji um madison rose i like this one i think I've had a great and not so great experiences in the industry. I do feel like you must be firm on what you will and will not accept from suitors because if not, that line will be crossed a lot. Men will try to manipulate you and make you feel like you're not sought after. But once you get past that and start living in your glory and not being accommodating or passive, you'll find wonderful clients that do appreciate you and don't mind spooling you to the fullest. And then I feel as though my experience has been 
probably been an anomaly. I've never been insulted or passed over because of my race. I will say that I've noticed that it takes a lot more for black providers to stand out than other providers. I don't see a lot of black providers getting retweets unless they have super luxurious photos. I also feel like a lot of directories don't think that we appeal to their consumer base. Everyone loves black women, but no one wants to put it out front that we are desired. Mm, let's see. Oh, yeah. And this one I totally agreed with. For me, I faced much pushback about my booking protocol, deposits, rates that I'm very particular about, communication and expectations. Actually, 5 to 3% pass screening and get the date. I am a professional. I conduct my business as such. It's my body, my time, and energy. That's a good one. Oh, another one. I think my biggest problem so far in the industry is knowing my market and where to tour. I'm based out of D.C. While I haven't done awful here, it has been... It hasn't been the peak income I was hoping for. I've never been discriminated against for being black, but just not their first choice. So you hear that over and over again. I feel like I'm not the the first choice. And then oh, this is a good one. So torn on this because I benefit from mixed heritage or light skin privilege and yet still deal with supreme ignorance occasionally as well. Looking forward to your discussion. I mean, there's so many. There's more comments than I thought, really, on here. I like that. I didn't realize people would be happy to be so open. It's, it's nice. It's very nice. I'm glad that people are open to talking about it. Me too. It's scary, though, to put your actual thoughts out there. You might never get hired again if you're actually honest about the way you feel you've been treated. You're right, and I feel like a lot of people don't actually speak up about it. And so. you're trying not to ruin your brand, but if you're trying to also break the stigma, you kind of have to say the truth, you know, despite it not sounding luxurious or all good-hearted or pretty. Yeah, I think I made a one. What was the quote that I said? The Oscar Wilde quote: "The truth is rarely pure and never simple." By Oscar Wilde. And I said, "I've got some truths to share with you." It's definitely never simple. <laughs> rarely pure. Well, in the spirit of discussing what other women have said, I've got some submissions from other ladies um, that want to share what their take is on race and biases in the industry. Take a listen. Hi there. My name is Winnie L. I'm in my 20s and I live in the United States. I've been in the industry for about five years. Um, this interview is an important undertaking for me as there are not enough voices being heard about the racial disparities within the industry. The bias of race is not something that simply comes up like a casual topic in a friendly conversation. It is a constant and invasive venom that seeps into every aspect of my life and my chosen profession. To be frank, anti-blackness is a multi-headed beast, a hydra, with vast roots in many heads. The worldwide anti-blackness bias that affects me and my colleagues in this industry expresses itself in many ways, but the things that do the most damage are as follows. The assumption that we as black providers cannot or should not charge as much as our non-black peers. The quality of service we provide is less than that of our non-black peers. And third, we simply do not receive the same amount of recognition or advertisement power, regardless of how much we invest in our brand and our service. The difficult thing about the social and economic effects of racism is that, like a hydra, if you cut off one head, two more replace it. It's tireless, thankless work. And it's so vast 
and so much of it is subversive. To rip it out of its boundless roots is a daunting and exhausting task. That being said, it has to be done, and it has to be done by all of us. The efforts of dismantling anti-black sentiment in the industry should not fall on the shoulders of those of us who suffer under it, but those who benefit from it. Speak out against the people that disparage black providers and clients. Listen to black providers when we voice our concerns, even if it makes you uncomfortable, because the truth is often uncomfortable. If you're a client who wants to see a black provider but have been intimidated, don't be. We're human. We're providers. We're here to bring you joy to your life. No matter how small the effort, every bit makes a big difference. The world is a huge place, and this is a surprisingly small community. We need to take care of each other. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And as always, I'm happy to be of service. Hello, hello. I'm Hadley Darling coming at you from beautiful Toronto. And by beautiful, I mean freezing and iced over right now. Anyway, I'm 31. I've been in the industry for quite some time. When I was 25, I worked at an agency here in the city for about two years, then finally made the jump to being independent. I took a break for about two years, and now I'm, I've been back as Hadley for about a year now. I actually technically retired a few months ago to pursue a normal civilian job, but I'm actually just coming out of retirement now for a quick New York City tour. It's just such a hard industry to leave behind for good, but that's a whole other episode. The reason I wanted to be a part of this week's conversation about race is it's impossible to be a woman of color and not experience implicit bias and discrimination in an industry that normalizes one way of what a companion looks like. Every movie, every TV show about our industry shows one kind of escort. Always white, always tall and thin, always straight and femme, and usually affluent because she's so successful at being an escort. We see this all the time, too, on platforms like Twitter. I can't even count the number of girls I follow who fit the stereotypical mold in terms of ethnicity and overall appearance, who only share content from other companions who look exactly like them. Not so coincidentally, these are also the girls who have tens of thousands of followers, so it's no wonder that the world views escorts as looking that way, and that anyone who differs, whether in race, sexuality, or size, as lesser than. This is something that needs to stop, And I wanted to make a point of calling out my fellow escorts because I feel like a lot of the time we only blame clients for holding racial biases when sometimes we ourselves are to blame as well. I know a lot of girls who fit the escort stereotype who still share and retweet content only from all sorts of companions who don't look like them. And I admire the hell out of those girls. We're all out here building and curating our brand, and of course no one wants to associate with anything that can hurt their image in the industry. That's why I find it so ridiculously offensive when I open up a girl's Twitter and it lacks any sort of diversity whatsoever. I always think, what harm is it going to do to your brand to share content from a black girl or a brown girl or anyone really who differs in race? Call me sensitive if you want, but these 
or girls with broad reach and thousands of client accounts following them. I feel like they're complicit in upholding the idea that in order to be beautiful or successful, you must be white and thin and conventionally attractive. I am exactly none of those things. I'm a short brown girl whose parents are immigrants from Guyana. I'm a size eight. I feel like I and others like me have to work twice as hard for half the reward, which is nuts. You have cam girls who can sit around in sweatpants and rake in hundreds of dollars a day compared to women of color who are busting their ass to create sexy or creative content who still don't reach their daily or monthly financial goals. It's hugely problematic. And if so many of our fellow companions think that we are lesser than, what about the clients who book us? Luckily, I've never been with a client who directly made me feel lesser than, but I've definitely hired, been hired by men who fetishized my race. I've gotten everything from, you know, white girls are so plain. I much prefer exotic girls like you. By the way, can I say I hate the word exotic. It makes me feel like a peacock at the zoo. But I've gotten everything from that to white guys wanting race play, which of course puts them in a role of power. I mean, maybe some escorts of color are down with that. And the truth is a lot of us are struggling and don't even have the privilege to leave a date if the client turns out to have some weird race fetish. I've definitely been there. I mean, it always, it hasn't always been fun and games in this industry. I've definitely struggled a lot and haven't had the privilege to turn down certain dates that made me uncomfortable. And you know what? I don't know what the full solution is. But I think providers acknowledging the existence of other providers who don't necessarily look like them is a great place to start. I think companions of color just need to keep trucking along and doing their thing. And hopefully one day we'll get the equal recognition, the clients, the gifts, the overnights that we deserve. If anyone has any ideas, I'd love to hear your feedback on Twitter. Again, I'm Hadley Darling. Thanks for listening to my rant. Hi everyone, my name is Carmen Ray. I'm in my mid-twenties. I live in Ottawa, Canada, and I've been in this industry since about July 2019. So um, I've been in the industry for about six months, so I am a newbie for sure. And the reason I wanted to contribute to this episode is because I think the topic of racial biases is so diverse and multifaceted. And the least I can do um, is to contribute my perspective so we um, can have a wholesome and fulsome um, understanding of different perspectives and experiences. And my experience is going to be specific to Canada. Um, And yeah, just to get a better understanding of Canada, I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I'm just going to provide some facts. Um, Canada is still about 60 to about 70% um, European descendants or um, European in general, but we do have a very vibrant and visible minority population in Canada, Um, black Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Canadians make up about 2.93% of the Canadian population. So we are present, not too many of us, but we are here. And so my experience really stems off from that also environmental and um, 
population demographic experience as well. And uh, my racial biases experience really started off in this industry before I even began. It was when I was doing research and I could see the um, price and rate discrepancy and the wage gap between women of color and non-women of color in this industry. That really speaks to um, worthiness and value and supply and demand. And this is not to say women of color cannot um, demand for high rates, but um, I think it'd be very disingenuous to not recognize how racial biases really affect what a woman of color can demand in this industry. Um, and I've had experiences where even my rates are might be considered very low um, in Toronto, but here I've also experienced guys say, how dare you ask for a rate that high, like you're just a black girl, like who's going to pay that much for you, you know? And I know so many other women of color probably have experienced this all the same. And um, it's really difficult to navigate this industry when you see those um, biases in rates. Um, And it's very hard to not take those things personal. But then you also understand the society you live in and, um, you navigate through that and you market yourself the best way that you can and you do find amazing gents that starts with one jet and it goes to 10 and it goes to 20 and more and whoever you want to um, spend your time with. So um, I think what's really important to women of color to know that they're not limited just because um, their rate might not be valued by one person. 100% will be valued by someone else. And someone else is going to tell you, you need to bump up your rates because you are so amazing. Um, but um, racial biases for sure in this industry is um, permeates throughout. It really does. It permeates from per- other providers and it per- permeates from clients. I had a session with a gent where um, in the middle of the session, we were having a great time, but Randomly, he asked me if I saw um, black gents. And I was so caught off guard. This is around uh, my second month in this industry. And I really just didn't know how to react. But my reaction was the only thing I could think of. And I told him, I don't discriminate. I see any gent that is respectful to me and respects my time and my space. And um, in that, moment I felt very very vulnerable and I felt disgusted because you know women of color we have to do this extra layer of screening where um, we also have to cut through the guy who's gonna be prejudicial or the guy that's gonna be discriminatory you know we have to cut through that extra layer of bullshit um, pardon my French and um, it's really irritating so in that moment for me I felt I was so vulnerable in that moment because it's my private space. It's my, um, I'm providing an experience to someone. And in that experience, they're violating and being very discriminatory. So it's very difficult for a woman of color to navigate those experiences um, and try to find the silver lining and not feel um, slighted um, in those experiences. Um So, yeah, what I've also found in this industry in terms of bias, um, racial bias trends is that um, for sure, if you're white, blonde, blue eyes, you know, of course, you're going to be really popular. I think that's not 
within this industry that's just in society in general and the push for Eurocentric features. But I've also seen um, really amazing, dark, beautiful chocolate um, women um, become really popular. But, you know, those are few and far in between. Um, and that's really sad to see. And um, it's very difficult to navigate and market yourself. But always know that you have a market. Do not let these prejudicial um, trends in our industry stop you from being an amazing provider, providing an amazing experience. You know, you have to believe that you are beyond this and you are. Um, but also we have to understand the limitations that racial biases try to um, impose on women of color and how restricting those um, biases can be. And simply put, if you look at um, a lot of non-women of color and you look at their list of who they're willing to do duos with, you can see that um, they're not really trying to do a duo with another woman of color. And it's really telling of who they deem as worthy and who they want to spend their time with and also looking to likes and retweets those simple things you could see see who they deem as worthy who they deem as beautiful and uh, we might all think oh no it's just marketing who cares you're taking things too seriously but um, it's very important that we also acknowledge these things in our industry because we can't turn a blind eye to things that um, might end up having negative ramifications in the future and that really affect our fellow colleagues. Um, and it, this is non-consistent um, in the corporate world because in corporate world you have HR, you have someone to turn to. But, you know, in sex work, you don't. You, you're you by yourself for the most part if you don't have a network. And even within those networks, I have so many friends who will join these um, groups or these collectives or these um, social, sorry, these um, sex work focused collectives. And um, even within those collectives, people are still prejudicial and discriminatory and don't engage with women of color as much as they do say they do they say they're inclusive but are they really not necessarily so i think what the next steps are in terms of tackling these issues is really everyone needs to have an introspective experience providers really question are you choosing certain duo partners because you already know them you think they're great so on and so forth um which is fine but also are you limiting yourself on who you can meet and who you can befriend and who you can create networks with because you have racial biases and even clients are you just focused on a uh, skin color um, and I know everyone is free to provide whatever experience they want and demand of whatever experience they want but I think it's important that everyone have that moment of introspection I think just naturally it would be something that would be useful and I think if most people had those moments they would realize certain actions and certain um subconscious ideologies aren't as subconscious as they think because it influences our behavior. Um, so I think those are the next steps and also just continuing to um, provide a space for discourse and provide a space for engagement and conversations such as this. 
But um, yeah, I think the future of sex work is going to be more inclusive and more harder conversations to be had. But I think these conversations are important because as we know, um, sex work is the oldest you know, career, especially for women and non-binary folks. So, you know, we have to do better for each other. We have to do better for our future um, as a community and as a grouping, um, especially if we want change um, from the rest of society. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And um, I can't wait to hear other perspectives. Bye. Good morning. And first of all, I want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. My name is Seductive Storm. I am currently based in Atlanta and have been for the last 11 years. However, I am originally from the DMV area. For those of you who don't know what that means, that's uh, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia area. Um, and I got my escort beginnings um, in the D.C. Nova, Northern Virginia area back in 2001. So I have been around a long time. I am semi-retired now, but still working if the price is right. And I just rebranded yesterday with another persona. So we'll see how that goes. I am... A mature, <laughs> late 40s, uh, ebony BBW, for those of you who are not familiar with me. And uh, I wanted to speak to you guys. Well, I was asked to speak about, you know, just biases, differences, racial and other that I find in the business. So here we go. Um, I wanted to give my take on this because, like I said, I am Ebony, and then on top of Ebony, I'm mature and a BBW. So I have three things that can kind of be tough or alienating in this industry <laughs> under my belt, so to speak. Um, the biases are profound, and I'm sure they were always there, but I truly think the biases became more noticeable and um, easier to see that they were there once we dove into social media as deeply as we did. Um, there's a site called Verify Him that used to have a community room. You can see the biases there too. And of course, in some of the provider-only areas of certain boards, you can see it too. But I think there's nowhere where you see it play out as much as you do on social media. However, moderators of ad sites that we use too are also guilty of it. I'll, now I'm going to kind of tell y'all what my experiences have been. So... I am rather thick-skinned. I am not like uh, most people. I've seen a lot, been through a lot, and done a lot in my lifetime. And so, and and if, if you don't know, I'm a mother of five kids, the oldest of whom is 31 years old, the youngest of whom is 14, and I have two grandchildren too. So I've got thick skin because I always had to teach them to have thick skin. But that doesn't mean I don't notice it. Let's take an example. We'll use Twitter or Instagram right now. So say that you as a Ebony companion 
take time and effort to get your hair ready, your outfits ready, your shoes ready. You rent a fabulous location for a photo shoot. Or even if you don't do those things, you're, you're just badass and your pics are fly as hell. And you put up a picture that is so stunning that you like, really, truthfully, should be getting a modeling contract from whoever. This is whether you're a BBW, yes, because BBWs are beautiful as hell too, or whether you're a standard-sized ebony escort. Usually, only a few ladies who have gotten a huge, huge following over the years get the same amount of likes and retweets as our Caucasian counterparts. The, the Caucasian girls and the Latin ladies get far more uh, visual attention online than most of us ebony providers do. And I see it all the time. Um, like I said, I got thick skin, so I try not to let social media bother or govern my life. However, I will say that it is confusing as hell sometimes when I look right above me in a timeline and see like a relatively ordinary didn't care pick of someone um and it's all the time with certain people and then you'll see a fabulous pick of even myself or some other ebony girl right below in the timeline and she'll literally have like six likes while the other person will have like five six hundred likes um, and you see it all the time. And I have been baffled and confused by it forever. Or even when it's not about pics, but it's when, when it's about a need, when it's about, you know, someone needing retweets or trying to raise their rent or trying to get help for them and their kid. Or right now, a lot of ladies are having an issue just keeping a roof over their head. It's been slow. And so they reach out on social media and you'll notice the Caucasian ladies will get that retweet and that help a lot faster um, than than most of the Ebony's will, and it's it's pretty bad because I mean we're this we're all in the same industry, and that bias shouldn't be there. And I would like to say it's the men creating the bias, and and some of it is, but most of our retweets when we reach out for things like that are going to come from other providers because usually the tweet begins with, I'm asking the sex work community. I'm asking other sisters in my community or whatever the gender of the person is in the sex work community. We're asking you all. And so a lot of that is just people having this negative connotation of ebony girls. And I don't know why. And if you're ebony BBW, it it gets super tough. Because, you know, people, it's getting better thanks to Lizzo and other people in the celebrity world. But people still want to not give Ebony's their worth in general. Men email and call and text all the time. I see it less now in my inbox since I streamlined how I do things. But I truly used to see all the time where men would send emails and say horribly rude things, especially here in Georgia, things like, um, you know, slavery is illegal. You know, uh, Lincoln made it so we don't have to pay for black 
bitches anymore. Um, things like uh, when I, I always live in like, for the most part, pretty nice areas of the Atlanta suburbs. I've lived in the city and not so great areas like twice doing hard times before. But I'll get emails even telling me to move me and my, for instance, monkey children back to the southern side of Atlanta. Those who are not from Atlanta, um, the black suburbs, as they like to call it, is over closer to the airport on the southern side of town. But I'm going to live where I want to live. Um, and I'm going to live in the areas that have the people that I feel are the clients I want to see. But to get back on topic, you, then you will get emails all the time um, saying, you know, well, watch. And, and even from black clients will get emails why should I have to pay that much for a black girl? Most black girls charge this or that. Um, I'm not most black girls, and I don't believe that. I believe most of the black girls that you find to take advantage of charge the rate that you're talking about. There's plenty of black providers that are upscale that do not charge some of these ridiculous fees. These clients are trying to say that black girls are only worth. And then when you compound what my experience is, and you say, well, she's black and she's BBW. Why should I pay that for you? You know, it's younger, hotter, you know, white or Asian or Latin girls out here who charge less than you are charged the same amount as your prices should be lower. First of all, it's a no-no for a client to ever tell an escort what her rate should be. Her rate is set at what she needs it to be. And secondly, um, as far as me being BBW, y'all lucky y'all don't charge by the pound. A, because I'm not exotic, that would be more like a nationality thing, but we're different and we cater to a certain market of men who really, really love fluff. So technically, <laughs> technically, we could argue that the regular escorts are regular and that we're extra. I'm not saying that, but in a joking fashion, I'm saying to the gentleman that, uh, we could charge you extra, charge you by a pound if we wanted to. For the record, I think all women are beautiful. I have not always been a BBW. I started in my 20s as a size zero. Yeah, a zero. Went up to a three, had a few kids, went up to a seven, eight, and got into a relationship, stayed in it for years. I'm still currently in it, and happy weight has now made me a BBW. And uh, I'm happy and excited and blessed enough to have someone who loved me through my evolution. But the, uh, I just wish that we could all come together and, and we could all educate clients and other providers to be a little kinder and notice a little more of the biases and the differences. I don't think a lot of the other providers who are not Ebony even realize it because they don't live it. And if you don't live something, it's hard for you to comprehend it and understand it. Um, and I, I, I get that. Like there's some things <laughs> about the Caucasian experience I'm never going to understand. But what I don't do is try to make it difficult or ignore or treat anyone who's not Black differently than how I want to be treated unless they disrespect me first. Um, there are 
other biases in this industry, and I know this is a bit off topic, but if we're going to talk about biases, I think we should address them all. For instance, I don't know who came up with the rule or who thinks that, and maybe it was like that 10 years ago, and I just didn't notice it as much again because social media makes things more noticeable. Someone must have told elite ladies that they cannot socialize or be all-inclusive of all sex workers or else their clients won't want to see them. I personally think that's a crock of shit. I do not believe that most clients, even your elite CEOs, look and see who you might retweet, give a like to, or share short conversations with on Twitter. Um, <laughs> maybe... I could understand if we're talking about him seeing you out in public hanging out where they hang out, doing what they do. You know, if he's a snob like that and he just sees it a certain way, I can get it. There are people who still have very old-fashioned ways of thinking. However, there's no reason for you to think that a businessman with real money has time in his day to go to every Twitter profile that he sees you interacting with and talking to and showing kindness to, and then figure out, oh, well, she's in lower bracket. Oh, she only charges 100 so that, that That totally eliminates him wanting to see you. That doesn't make any sense. I just want everyone to know that makes absolutely no sense, and it just further divides our sex work community. We're already divided in terms of race, in terms of body weight, in terms of certain looks, in terms of certain other beliefs. And then it's always compounded because the girls who really have the power to make the difference and to help and to really be there for girls who really need them are so caught up in being elite and not wanting to socialize publicly online with other girls who are not at the same status level as them that it always creates a divide at, at horror. It's, they're up on their high little tower of their castle looking down and every once in a while they'll reach out and DM someone or they'll try to get some advice hidden behind the scenes because I can't be seen socializing with them because if I socialize with them, it ruins my brand. It ruins this, it ruins that. I'm not telling you to hang out with them and have lunch with them every day, but you can't convince me that your clients care enough about who you're talking to that they're going to research every girl that you interact with on Twitter. It is simply not going to happen. I don't know who taught you all this, but I assure you, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but... In regard to whether or not I think the biases are on purpose or direct, in terms of male clients, yes. I think male clients deliberately somehow were taught, learned, or had already had a predisposed notion in their head that ebony girls are not worth as much. You see it all the time in the news when ebony girls are missing, look how many ebony women are missing right now. It's been all over the news and how it's not being televised. No one's paying attention to it. All the ebony girls in DC who still haven't been found. Um, and it's always kind of swept under the rug. You'll hear about it for a short time. 
But we're still hearing about the white blonde haired girl who went missing on the island what, over 10, 11 years ago. Might have been longer than that. Ever so often, she still news. Um, I just think that society decided a long time ago that black girls, colored girls, people of color, African-Americans, <clears throat> Native Americans, <clears throat> some, some types of Latin women are not worth what the European blonde look or just European in general, no matter what hair color, eye color is worth. We are all human beings. We are all women. And it's sad that men really think that an ebony girl, and again, if you're ebony BBW, it's even worse, deserve a lower standard of rate and a lower standard of care. And uh, other than the transgender community in sex work, I don't know anyone who is treated more violently, who stands to be in more harm than ebony sex workers. The bias and the way we are treated by clients and then followed by our own social circle, other ladies who we expect to empathize with us simply because we're all in the same job is, is pretty sad. Um, like I said, there is a just big difference online and it's more, you see it worse because everyone's online all the time. People can say what they want to because as the saying goes, you know, being online makes people brave. They know they can't get punched in the mouth. Um, so the bias is, is ridiculous. There's, there's already the social class bias, the financial class bias. And then you add the racial bias to it. And um, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Even amongst, I'm also a web designer and do SEO. And even amongst, in, within that, I do just as good of work. And in some cases, better work than some of my other counterparts that also work in the same field. But I notice that um, for the most part, a lot of people flock to certain other people because of their, because, honestly, because of their race. It's almost as though people don't trust you to do their work when you have brown skin. And it's pretty sad because I am reputable and I have such a, a well-known voice in the industry and care so much about all sex workers even if I may not want to hang out with certain ones in person, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to speak to them and be helpful to them online. And I'm not going to hide when I do it because I don't give a damn what everybody else's opinion of it is. And that's the way everyone should be, but it's not how everyone is. Um, so I do think it's on purpose with the men. I do think it's on purpose with a small percentage of providers. And I almost forgot about the ad sites. Uh, you see it on the ad sites. When Backpage was up here in Atlanta, 
my ads would get removed a lot by the people over at Backpage. Uh, it didn't happen when they had their original owners, but once they got different owners and a different moderator, and it wasn't just me, it was lots of BBW girls, and it was particularly lots of Ebony BBW girls. Um, I have always run a clean show. I've never been one to bust it open, so to speak, in my pictures. I've always operated with a level of class and dignity. I never used terms in my ads that I should not have been using. Yet they would remove mine and leave up the smuttiest of the smuttiest of ads. And it amazed me because you could tell that the bias was there. You could tell whoever was moderating only allowed the slimmer black girls up. And the black BBWs ads just always got messed with. And so that took your money because they never gave refunds when they removed your ad. Um, TER was like that. If you were Ebony, um, they really, other than a small few super well-known black providers, did not let you get a nine or a 10 rating without questioning it, debating it, or lowering it, even if your client felt you deserved it. And BBWs on TER, that's never been a friendly place for them. But uh, across the board, even just being Ebony on TER, I can tell you only about 10% of Ebony providers who were ever on TER got a 9 or a 10 rating regardless of what the customer reviewed them at. Um, they just basically always found a way to take it away from you. And it was evident to everyone and discussed by many providers. So I'm not the only person who noticed that. It was it was done a lot. So I think a good way to tackle this is just really across the board, talking amongst ourselves and getting rid of this idea that we need to treat each other amongst providers, that we need to treat each other differently based on what type of client we hope to attract. That has to stop first. And then once you get that going across the board, then it trickles down and we're able then, regardless of race and social class and financial class, to, to start a movement Maybe even just start a hashtag because we all know how hashtags take off if they're started by a person with enough followers. And just make at least one day of the week where we support and are all inclusive of all sex workers, regardless of their size, their age, or their race. I think that would be a great idea on Twitter if someone could get it started who's up there in the 30K, 50K followers range. And just start that, and I don't know what day of the week it should be, but just come up with a hashtag, you know? Um, you know, like, hashtag all SW, since we don't want to say sex workers and lose our Twitters, all SWs matter. Uh, you know, like, just something to make sure we all know we're, we're welcome at the table. Um, in regard to clients, I don't know that we can ever change the client prejudices and the client bias against us for several things. I, I hope that the gentlemen evolve. I, I really hope that the gentlemen evolve and that they become kinder. As far as our ad platforms, more of us need to band together and send contact forms and emails to these ad sites and let them know when we're seeing and feeling racial bias. 
people are so scared to let their voices be heard and, and to speak out to people about bullshit. I have emailed and spoken with someone at Honey Burnett, for instance, twice in the last year. I own a couple of Honey Burnett sites because only once every blue moon they have something that fits. And I have let them know in no uncertain terms. You're missing a market. Plus size women money spends the same as everybody else's money. And your line should be inclusive and we should be seen and we should be represented and we should be able to feel every bit as luxurious as the next person. And I should be able to do that more than twice a year. And every site I buy should be black just because you don't, just because you think plus size girls only look good in black. So the same way I reached out to them, I've reached out to Eros before. Um, two years ago, I actually got other providers to send me all their complaints with arrows and I sent them all over in a large file so they could look at all of my complaints. And I did hear back from them. Nothing really changed, but I was a voice. But that was with my email was still only about 10 letters. See, we need to do things in much larger amounts to where these companies who run our ads to where the clients and other providers are really forced to notice and listen. Well, it I enjoyed sharing my experiences with y'all, even though they weren't the most happy experiences to talk about. I'm still just glad to be able to be a voice and to give you all my input on it. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, remember to screen and remember to love and support one another. Thanks again. This was Seductive Storm. Later. Hi, everyone. I am Miss Tegan Smith. I'm a nearly 30s companion who is new to the industry as of about a year ago, and I am currently residing in the beautiful Canadian prairies. I am so excited to be able to be a part of this and to give some feedback about the unique circumstances our industry faces, particularly with people that are racialized or barriered in how we interact with our community. So as an Indigenous self-identified woman, I get a lot of racial biases in the industry we're a part of, primarily because a lot of non-Indigenous people don't recognize not only the hardships that our people faced, but also just the fact that we're normal people too. So starting out, there was a lot of confusion as to who I was as a person and a, as a companion. And some of the underlying biases I faced was first of all, how I identified myself. So each independent companion will choose certain words or whatever they feel comfortable with. Personally, my big issue was how do I brand myself as an Indigenous person? And I'm proud of my heritage. It is more of the case of, am I Native, which is very common in the States? Am I Indigenous? Am I First Nations? There's a whole bunch of terms that truly people don't understand to begin with. And now I'm having to try and educate them on top of the very sensitive industry that I chose to be a part of. So that was an underlying racial bias that wasn't necessarily negative, but just came from a, a place of inexperience and not knowing how to respectfully approach 
this particular circumstance. Some racial biases that I definitely have seen, however, not incredibly experienced just because I am rather new to the companion industry is the racial biases that women of color or people with disabilities or differently able face in a regular basis. This specifically speaks to how often we are booked compared to a I don't want to call it stereotypical because truly I believe that we are all beautifully unique, but a, let's say a non, I don't know how to say this. Like, I don't want to be insulting because I have so many beautiful companions, but those that don't face the racialized or the marginalized aspects that some others face, like uh, white facing, very privileged upbringing, whether that's just education or location, those kinds of things. And to me, that's really hard to say because I don't want to continue to encourage those kinds of divides and biases, but that's something that I regularly see, especially women uh, trying to support one another through the industry and saying, you know, we recognize that some of our, our folk do experience these biases on a regular basis. And like I said, I haven't directly faced a lot of those biases. In fact, I'm trying to encourage people to come out and meet with me so that they can see truly we are just people. So when we ask whether or not this is consistent in other industries, I say absolutely. However, being that our industry is very focused on who we are as people and the way we are perceived, I would say that racial biases exist in these types of industries significantly more or at par with the ones that you see that are commonly accepted by civilian industries, whether it's science or business, there's always that glass ceiling there. And I, I really appreciate having these kinds of conversations because the ceilings that exist and the barriers that exist should not exist. And so I believe it's consistent with racial biases in other industries. Do I believe that we are doing better as companions, as whatever the term you choose to use to try and break down those silos and those barriers? Absolutely. And that's why I'm really excited about this podcast. Super, super excited about it. And I think we can do better. I, I think we're, we're trying to do better. And when we speak about ways of tackling racism and bias in the industries, I've seen some really amazing events happening where there's either people of color or people that are um, unique, let's say. Well, no, that's the wrong word to use. People that experience barriers to actively participating as much as they would like to is there are, you know, fly me to you events. There are people within our own communities that are coming together and having safe places to discuss these kinds of barriers, but also the clients that are coming to us, just having them be open and learning and attentive is so critical to the success because I truly believe that it's 
it's going to take us all. It's a really, really big issue, regardless of the industry you choose to be in, is racial biases. And how we choose to tackle them is going to be a very long-term goal and vision. So I want to leave you guys with some positivity and some, some things that we can do. My favorite way is just actively supporting people that you might not otherwise engage with, whether it's a different body type or a different background of culture or race. Getting that information out and just sharing it amongst your people is one of the best ways that we as companions and that I've personally found other people that are, let's say, um, people of color or differently abled. And it's really created a network of support and strength for me as a companion and being that I'm feeling better about my my support network is giving me the capacity to be able to grow and share with clients or local in events. And so speaking of events, there's a ton of events that happen, whether it's, um, like I said, locally or separate that you might be able to be a part of. There are countless, countless charities and nonprofits that you can support or even choosing to donate some time to time or money to be able to help somebody that might not necessarily have those same access to resources that we would in a big city or in a larger metropolitan area or even people that do live within that area to access the resources that they need not only to be safe but also to be able to grow and help their business. So I really think those are some awesome opportunities that we can do on a daily basis or whenever you're able to contribute and also something that doesn't cost any money, which is to be open to learning from people that you might not necessarily consider an expert. I believe everybody is an expert in their life because lived experience holds so much value. And so within respectful boundaries and be sure to, you know, discuss time and be aware that we do have a lot of moving parts to our business is ask questions, be open to, to taking that risk and be open to sharing it. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then, you know, find, find a, find a buddy, so to speak and say, you know what, that's not really my field of strength or my my area of expertise, but I do know of an organization or some people that I could hopefully recommend to you either as a client or as a companion where you can learn more. So we there's so many different ways of making an impact in this world. And I truly believe that outside of this podcast, we all have an obligation and an opportunity to do better. So last but not least, I want to leave you with a thanks to Sienna Hunter and the Deconstructed podcast. Is that what it's called? Deconstructed? Let me double check. The Escort Deconstructed podcast. To be able to open our eyes to not only the good, but also the potentially hard things to discuss. I think it's so important that 
She had the strength and the courage to not only put this podcast together, but to also invite people with lived experience and companions who might be able to share. I'm, I'm so excited to be able to see where where the future of this podcast goes, and let's let's spark some change in our community. I think we're we're off to a good start, but let's keep it going. It's Tegan Smith. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Uh, I want to thank all those ladies for taking the time out to uh, think about what they wanted to say and send it in. Thank you very much. I hope to do this kind of format again in the future. So have you personally noticed the differences? What they said kind of spoke to you. But personally, have you had any experiences with clients you were not expecting that kind of really made you realize that I don't know, you're being fetishized or that people notice your race more with someone you didn't expect it from, like a client you've already been seeing. I think that my branding has done a good job in bringing me the type of clients that I don't really have to question why they see me or if they fetishize me. I've never experienced any client that I've personally taken on, but I've gotten plenty of inquiries from clients. Like... Like the one I sent you. Oh, God, I fucking died. Can you <laughs> the give one, a synopsis? The one who wanted to see different providers to celebrate Black History Month. <laughs> he was looking for to be, I think he was looking for like basically a dom. I'm sorry. He said, I can't wait to taste their cum. Yes, he said, I can't wait to taste, I can't wait to taste their cum. I can't even say it with a straight face. I totally forgot about that until you reminded me oh, today died. about died. that. To celebrate Black he History was Month. so proud of himself. It is approaching Black History Month. Oh my goodness. And you, <laughs> I felt so bad because you, you asked me, well, who is going to correct him? He has to know that he's wrong. And you know what? I take it back. Please. I take it back. We don't have time for that. Jesus Christ. The world's a funny fucking place. <laughs> Uh, what do you think might be a good way then of addressing or kind of tackling racism in this industry for those that actually give a shit? If you give a shit, first of all, we love you. People of color love you and appreciate you for wanting to make a difference. If you see or hear something, say something, do not stand for it. When you hear or see someone being biased, do your best to educate that person. And I feel like in a positive way, it's not inflammatory or it's going to be a lost cause. Like you're yes. just making it worse. Yes. N- nothing inflammatory. Yeah. Um, but call it out for what it is. If you're in private with someone is what I mean. When you when mm. you see it, you call it out for what it is. Don't let that shit fly. Um, consider yourself, if you have biases that you're un- unaware of and work on figuring out why you have those and find a resolution. Self-correction and self-realization can be a powerful thing if you let it be. In an ideal world, what would a lack of racism in this industry look like? Or more, how would the industry look and operate differently than it does now? This is an interesting question that I didn't... I I just don't know how to answer this. Yeah, see, this is the thing. I took a political studies degree, right? And so all they do is they teach you how to identify the issues. Mm -hmm. There is no class on, okay, now what would you do about it? Yes. That's a class that does not exist. So obviously, to me, that has to be part of the discussion. What would you ideally like to happen? How do we fix this? You can't just identify the problem. I would ideally like for black women and women of color and people of color not to feel 
unwanted. I don't want them to ever feel like that because you are wanted and you are beautiful and you can be successful in this industry if you just don't let these things get to you. That's what it feels like success for everyone. I also think you're beautiful. That's the first thing I thought when I read that question. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know what else to say other than it feels like success for all of us. I say so. How the industry would look and operate differently than it does now. That does include how other companions might operate differently. What are some suggestions, do you think? Other companions, I think you need to be, you, you need to realize that you're in the service industry and we have to provide experiences for everyone we cannot discriminate against certain people you can't discriminate with people with disabilities you Mm. can't discriminate with people because of their skin color well yeah you've heard a lot of the no aa or no under 30 uh no yeah Uh, even like other kinds of asian men like what's your take on that for women having uh no black men or no indian men i completely understand that happens because of experiences yeah, you might have been scarred by one person that we've lived through, but that's not a representation of the entire race or the yeah. entire category of people as a whole. You have to take that into consideration. You never know. It's very much how someone talks to you. I think when someone sends you an email, you can you can see their nature, and if yes. it's not a guarantee when you meet them, you know, like leave. Yes, definitely, I, I agree with you. I don't think generalizing to that extent is fair because you don't want to be put in that bracket either so you're kind of doing exactly what you don't want to see how would you feel if somebody said no blondes no blue-eyed no girls with fake boobies you wouldn't like that oh i prefer all natural i prefer no tattoos people get highly offended when they hear that but then they think they can turn around and say that about a group of people you cannot do that. I generalize and say uh, no non-respectful people. Yes. And I have no shame. (laughs) Yes. No people who don't want to follow booking protocols and procedures. I say please and thank you. Yes. Whatever else. I am strict on that rule. I think we've gone over how we think that maybe other escorts aren't helping in the equal opportunity fight. One of the women just said that she thinks that we often blame clients and not other escorts for being racist or biased um, and that it's kind of our responsibility to try to help out other girls get more, I guess, retweets or more publicity. Um, Can we pause this? Because I have the perfect tweet from somebody and I told her that I would talk about this yes yeah and she is i believe she's caucasian let's see there it is your quirky cult classic or coco royale okay so her her tweet was so what you mean when you say you only like natural girls it's that you only like girls who fit into every painstakingly classist fat phobic racist ableist and limiting definition of what someone is supposed to be just by chance of course never made Please reflect on your biases. I often get booked simply because of my privileges, white, skinny, class passing, able-bodied cis. And while I'm grateful for the financial stability this affords me, it really kills me 
to hear these clients say they are not into one of my peers for an aforementioned reason. There's no reason. There's so many reasons this is fucked up, but most of the time it simply comes down to client stereotyping providers based on their own perceptions and limiting their own capacity for attraction because of the way we've all been socialized under capitalism. I really urge clients to look deeper and think harder on why you think you have a type who is included in or excluded from that, how society likely taught you this, and how these ideas serve you. Sorry to break your bubble, but oftentimes they don't. I work hard, but I have so many peers who bust their ass five times more than me on a daily. Some offer more services. Some are better than at certain acts than I am. Like it's just dumb for a hedonist like most of us to be missing out on everything that a diverse pool of people can offer. Um, I could say so much more about this, but I'll leave it at this. Clients, you only live once. Be the best you can be. Be good to people. See humanity in others and don't restrict yourself from truly amazing experiences because of dumb lies the media told us. I did see that when it came out and I was nodding the whole way through. I mean, that was perfect. I would agree that... uh, you, okay, so I think what it stems from is when you hire a companion, you have a fantasy in mind. Yes. And so you kind of assume that only one look can fulfill that fantasy. Yes. But that woman might, you know, not actually want to be in sex work that bad or might actually just be really interested in doing one thing and not the other. She might not be interested in the exact experience that you are. And so just assuming because she looks like that, she's going to fit the rest of your fantasy. I mean, you're setting yourself up for a failure. You might also not get the the best experience you possibly could with an escort because you're looking for the wrong look. Look into that escort. I mean, now we have Twitter. We have so many platforms where you can still, we all use the same like buzzwords that it's kind of hard to actually see how we differentiate because yes. we all use the same buzzwords. I try. We try not to. I know. But once you look into a companion's personality a little bit more via their social media, you can see, I, th- I think, more to them just more than behind the looks, more than the... Definitely go on the social media yes. and figure someone out. And more ladies, than just the physical. Sorry, workers, if you don't have a social media yet, it's fucking free. Like, just take the... It's it's labor, but it doesn't cost anything. It's so lit. Take that labor, make it work, because then people will hire you because they can actually see your personality. And that is the best marketing for your brand. So shout out to Twitter, even though you still censor our nipples. You do give us free marketing. So thank oh, you for that. Censor more than that. <laughs> soon they still allow us they don't shut us down like instagram yeah we hope not so oh well i mean there's a million other things we could talk about what else do you want to talk about i think i covered the questions i've I written down but it was really hard to come up with questions i think you did a wonderful job <laughs> what did you do then I sat an extravagant this- job oh, no i sat through this difficult <laughs> i get to <laughs> see how people judge me based off of this conversation oh they're gonna judge you you're the white knight in this conversation what are I'm you talking definitely about not the white oh knight. i am not the white knight you're the white knight you're somebody, in a white turtleneck right some, now i know i love it somebody come and be the white knight for this conversation someone come and fix these problems fix for us. these Stop social injustices Sienna be the fucking savant <laughs> of every topic on earth but it's great because you're open-minded and let me tell you she's got a production i mean here this is a this is a setup we got the wires going got the headsets on it's professional seems sexy i mm. like it 
All right. Well, now that we're done the hard part, what do you like and dislike most about this industry? I love the flexibility. What I don't like is that nobody reads. <laughs> oh, the websites. No, no one reads the ads. Oh, they, like nobody no, reads books anymore. <laughs> no one reads books. No one does read books, but I talk about books a that's lot. Yeah, that's true. Um, I love the flexibility that this industry affords anyone. Right, the freedom. But sometimes people try to put you in a box and they think you're in some room and you're that you're hot and ready like a pizza for them 24/7 and that's just not how this works boys and girls pussy um, takes a lot more work than pizza <laughs> definitely i remember you said that i like that i did <laughs> but i i just i don't understand that if i took so much effort into creating my website my ad copy it's like my own little baby i feel like you should take the time and just read it read it <laughs> it has everything you want to know everything that you ask me in the email it's on the website i have a website i have an instagram i have a podcast i have everything that's right i can't wait to hear more on your podcast whatever you want i got it for you baby <laughs> Come this way. Uh, so many Submit. horrible puns. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a retirement date in mind? I do not have a retirement date in mind. When you started all the sugar baby nonsense, you didn't start with a retirement date in mind? Like, only a few years. I did. I actually thought when I got to <laughs> yeah. the, the age of 30 or 31 or 32 that I would be done and I would have all of my goals accomplished because I would be rolling in all of this money from all of my sugar daddies. Wow, even I didn't think that. That's quite the fantasy (laughs) land you lived in. (sighs) I was 24 back then. What can I say? Candy land, Jesus. Not anymore. (laughs) So no, no retirement. I I enjoy this work. So I'm going to be rolling with it for as long as I can. I'm just don't getting that, started. You don't just do this full time. So it's just like a nice side activity for you. Uh, yeah, but I put so much work into it. Oh, fuck yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a full-time it's job. It's a full-time job, even though it's a side hustle. If I could make it to become like some passive income stream, <laughs> that would be lovely. But that's not how this works. Not for now, anyways. For the stars. <laughs> What uh, do you think is the biggest misconception people have about sex workers and escorts? Hmm. Again, that we're always hot and ready. Okay, I saw like a picture of like a dog in a bathtub. It's like, hey, you avail now. And the dog's like wet in the bathtub. And I'm like, so 100%. Amy Taylor put that. That's the biggest misconception. (laughs) It's like you think we are just here to serve you. And that is not. When I'm in my bed, I'm in a t-shirt and a thong and nothing. And I mean like no makeup. No makeup because I don't want to wear pants because it constrict me. Like I don't look sexy. No, I remember I got an inquiry like two weeks ago. I was on the toilet. Like, I'm on the toilet. And this guy's like, here, tonight, just tonight. I need a, I need an appointment tonight. sexy, baby. I'm on the toilet reading this email. Absolutely not. I'm real, you know. And I got that email. Wait, you poop? Get out of here. Get the Companions fuck out of here. Poop? Ladies don't poop or fart or anything. That's enough. What is a current favorite book or one you always recommend to people? Oh, my God. Let's get into this because I have been bragging on this book 
for quite some time on my Instagram account. And the book is Sexual Intelligence. Now let me get let me pull it up because I want to say his name, but I'm reading way too many books at one time. So Marty Klein. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to say that, but I'm reading talking to I'm listening to talking to strangers and his name is Michael something. Okay. Sexual intelligence. What is the the rest of the title? Uh, how to get really get what we want from sex and and how to get get it. it. I'm not finished reading it, but I feel like every client and every hey, if it resonates, I mean, it does. Every client and every companion should read this book because I think it would help to bring down some of those. Get what you want from (laughs) get what you want out of a out of it. Intimate encounter. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to say sexual experience. Intimacy. Well, it's It's about intimacy. Intimacy doesn't always mean sex. So, yeah. No, it doesn't. And that's the beautiful thing about this book. It shows you that you just have to have a certain type of attitude and enthusiasm and maturity when it comes to to being intimate. That rules out half, man. I know. And that's why they need to read it. It's perfect. I don't think they think that they like intimacy, but if they try to be like, oh, I want this, be like, right. Exactly. You just don't want to look weak, but you want this. Everyone wants this. I mean, Stop your toxic yes, masculinity bullshit. Yes, yes, yes. And it gives you so many examples of, because this guy, Marty Klein, is a sex therapist. Um, but everyone needs to read that because I think it can help possibly in marriages can't make it worse in real i mean yeah at this point it can only when once you've hit rock bottom it's only up from here jesus are they rock bottom i mean it's really good i've never even thought about some of these married couples how they have so much difficulty within their marriage I know and they're not having sex. About it we hear about it, but time. you only hear one side of the story. Still, if they feel that misunderstood, the other person probably feels equally misunderstood. And that's what you hear in the book. And right. that's what you see in the book. And there's actually a story about a single guy who always thinks women want to have sex one way. And the therapist is like, well, where did you come up with those ideas? Uh-huh. Why did, where did you come with those? And? Well, that's just what I thought. That's just what he thought. Mm. And that's what he learns. And he learns to actually find women. Not all women enjoy, I think I think it was like hard and fast sets. And I think. No one wants to be used as your right hand you jerk off with. I can't remember, but it's, it's such a good book. I'm not even finished with it yet, but it's, it's amazing. I will be adding that to the list. And then the next book would be The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Oh, the one on the bookshelf you pointed out. No, that was Art of Seduction, I thought. You've oh, yeah, power. I have read the other one, though. Yeah. Laws of Powers. He's perfect. got a third one, too. It's about the human condition, I think. Human Laws. It's really good. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet. I, I listened to it. They're so... Okay. Um, I actually read physically read The 48 Laws of Power, but then I listened to The Human Laws. That just came out this year. Yeah. Or law is laws of human nature. I'll I have think. to. I think I'd like to listen to that too. And I've tried to listen to Art of Seduction. That's a pretty good one too, Robert Greene. He's got some good interests. He does. <laughs> power and sex and <laughs> power and. Well, seduction see now, and, I just wonder what he's like to hang out with. You know, I think he's good because that forty-eight laws of power is awesome. Does he put it in practice, though, or is he just good at researching? I don't know. That is the big question. And then he's got another book called Mastery. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 
all of these if you come to my if you come to my end call you'll see on my bookshelf so if you want to get down and dirty Great to some robert Green, please feel free to come by i could read it while it's on in the background mm. Mm. audible i love it do you uh have a favorite tv show you know i hmm. my favorite tv show and i know it's old it's out of date was mad men oh i loved man man it was really well made I wish. I can't believe. Well, it was a few seasons long, but I just did not like how it ended. I think it was really well made. But yeah, who the fuck drinks whiskey in the afternoon and they can keep on the rest of their su- day? Like, come I on. I loved it. I know, but who can drink all day like that? Like, I have a glass hot. of wine in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, bye. I need a nap. I know. I don't know how they do that. It's the they, admin. It's another men. level. They must have died at 50 because, I mean, <laughs> that liver. I think so. I feel like there was another show. I love Elizabeth Moss. I feel like there was another show that I wanted to mention, but it's slipped my mind. That's okay. Do you have a biggest companion crush at the moment? Or several biggest companion crushes? I have so many right now. Well, list them all. We got time. Uh, I love Winnie L. She is based out of Houston, but I also think she is in L.A., who else do I love? Let's see, because I have a few. Mia McFadden, I love her right now. Um, Sasha Benjamin. Let's see, who else? Okay. And Natalia Glass. I love her. She's beautiful. You probably don't know any of these people. I'm naming, huh? I feel like I don't know a lot of people if that helps. You don't? Yeah, well, well I, I just be, it's been like a year, though, that I've been doing this here in Toronto. Oh. I, I have been doing sex work, but just not like in Canada or in Toronto for that long. Oh, international. But yes, those are my. Oh, yes. I also have to say Gemma Paradise. I feel like somebody else said that. I think they said Gemma Song. Gemma Paradise. Gemma Paradise. Red hair. Oh, yeah. I'm following her. Beautiful. I mean, I have so many. Oh, yes. Olivia. Olivia Diamond. I love her. She makes really good threads about seeing black companions but you just have to i think a lot of her threads are like hidden underneath some other things but yes those would be my my crushes i will definitely be adding them to the list so i don't have them i follow so many people that's kind of hard sometimes because it's whoever you you can't really see who gets like to the top of your twitter feed and it does seem random sometimes because i follow so many people but it seems like some people are more shown to me than others and I'm not, like, I don't control that. I think everyone should have, like, equal opportunity if I'm following them. It doesn't really make sense how the algorithm picks it. Like, they're assuming what I want to see. Yes. But there's so many beautiful ladies. <laughs> I actually, it's only 5 o'clock. It's so dark. I know. It looks like it's 10 p.m. It's okay. Holy it's okay. Holy. We're going to go have fun. Is there yeah. anything else you wanted to say to all the other escorts and listeners out there as parting advice? What I want to say to everyone is please be aware of your biases. Your actions have consequences. Your actions have consequences. Whether you intend it or not. Whether you intend it or not. And I want you to have the most wonderful, magical, amazing time in this industry with all different types of women and men. God, I wish men would explore that. <laughs> I wish y'all would get a little Fuck. bit more kinky, okay? Live out that fantasy because you know you want to. We we are only promised today, so make it happen now. Do it now. 
Don't procrastinate, don't wait, because you never know what can happen tomorrow. We may not be here. So that's what I have to say to everyone. And thank you for having me on. (laughs) You're absolutely welcome. I would, again, try to reinforce that, that the fantasy you want is never actually going to be what you thought it would look like. Mm. The escort you actually want is not what you thought. She had a terrible attitude. (laughs) Oh my God. It was the worst experience ever. The perfect person (laughs) is waiting out there for you. You just got to get past uh, those biases. Yeah. And that perfect person, that perfect client is out there for you. My wonderful, beautiful, amazing women of color. And in the meantime, Elliot is uh, ready to take that call and that fly me to you. (laughs) I'm out here. Okay, bye everyone. Bye. Thank you to everyone for listening and everyone for being part of this episode. I have attached Elliot's and all the special guests' website and Twitter handles in the show notes in case you'd like to reach out to any of them or follow them. Elliot actually started her own podcast last year, and I would highly recommend checking it out. It is called The Emerson Experience, and I've attached a link to that in the show notes as well. Happy Monday, everyone, and stay curious.